0: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: And I gave you five responses. Have you moved from a seeker, but you've turned into a grumbler? And you've moved now to someone who is antagonistic and contending, arguing now about God and the faith and Christianity. Are you to the point now where you're ready to depart and say, I don't need this? Are you to the point at the very end you say, Lord, I'm going to confess that Jesus is the Lord. He is the true bread of life and I want to take all of Him. I trust Him as my Savior and I want to follow Him now as my Lord. I don't know. That's where I want to be. I want to be the one and I want to confess And I don't want to depart. Let's go back to the passage. A lot of intro stuff here, but it's all in here anyway. Verse 60 says, Therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said to them, and notice how the Lord already knew it, Does this cause you to stumble? Are you going to stumble over this, that I said I'm the bread of life, and you don't even want me? You won't believe in me? You won't receive me? You won't partake of me? Verse 62 is so cool. It says, What then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he has been before? In other words, if you won't accept me when I'm telling you I'm the bread of life, what are you going to say once I ascend up to heaven, after I go to the cross, die, and you're seeing me float up to heaven? If you can't accept me doing all these miracles for you and saying I'm the bread of life, how are you going to accept all of this stuff? And folks, can I tell you that's another point where we are? How much more does God have to give us before we're willing to step over the line and place our faith alone in Christ alone, to become a Christian and then to follow him as our Lord? when what how much more does he have to do what 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 more prayers of yours does he have to answer what more challenges in your life brokenness he has to bring in your life before you finally say lord i give it all up for you i want all of you right now and um why would you want to wait that long you know I, I remember this real elderly lady 90 91 and they came to her house one day and she was reading her Bible. Reading, 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 reading. One of the kids says, I never see you read the Bible like this. Mama, look at you reading the Bible. Why are you reading the Bible like this? Never read it before? You're reading it now. She says, I'm cramming for the finals. Well, maybe that's some people at the very end they're going to try to cram for the end to get it right. I hope not. Don't wait. Get in with the program right now. Now, you'll notice here he's saying here, what about this and what about that? They're asking all these questions. There's a huge difference between... Questioning truth and grumbling about truth. Let me see if I can help you with this, parents. This is a this is a fine line that I think you will you will know if you know your child. And child could be any child age, but listen carefully. Whether it's a little child or an adult son or daughter, there is a difference between a child who is questioning their faith and one who is grumbling about their faith. And you have to be to a point in your life that you are fully sold out for God, and I, that's why that's. I pray for that because it's rare that they will be if you're not because they're going to be a shadow of you. They're an apple that won't fall far from the tree. That being the case, when your child asks a question, don't immediately hit the panic button. Think that they're giving up the faith. A lot of times in sales, when someone tells you no, it's because they don't have enough information to say yes So if you want them to say yes to God, they're asking all of these questions. They may need more information, not more legalism, not more put-downs, not more anger, not more control and manipulation and intimidation. They just need you to sit down and have an honest talk. And if they ask you a question you don't know the answer to, admit it. Say, that's a great question. I don't know the answer to that question. But Pastor Dennis does. And let's call him at 2 in the morning because he'll be home then. No, I'm just joking. But my point still being, if they have a question, that's not wrong. And we do the same thing. When you go through a tragedy in your life, you lost your job, you get a bad report from the doctor, it happens at the wrong time in your life, generally there's three questions we ask is this. Number one, why me? Why this? Why now? Why me? Why this? Why now? Now let me tell you, that is a wrong, wrong three questions. Because if you ask it this way, why me, Lord? with an attitude of grumbling. It's, why me, Lord? It should have happened to so-and-so. They deserve that. Why this? Why this? You could have done anything else to me, but why did you do this particular thing? You know I can't handle this. That's grumbling. Or, why now? Okay, I'm getting ready to go on vacation. Why did you break my leg? I'm supposed to go skiing. Why now? You could have done it on the slopes after a whole week of skiing. Why now? That's grumbling. I think grumbling is one of the greatest enemies of the faith. And I wish I had time to share with you how it destroyed the children of Israel in the wilderness by grumbling. But now those same three questions are legitimate questions when you come with a humble, teachable heart to the Lord. And you say, Lord, why did you let this happen to me? There must be a reason because you're building your character in me. This is to help me find my purpose in life for you. So, Lord, why me? I got to know this. This must be very special. Why this, Lord? Okay, you could have had a lot of things happen, but you had this particular... What lesson am I going to learn in this? How is this going to help me? Because when I am broken and I'm suffering, then you're going to comfort me so I can then comfort other people. So why is this in my life? Who in my life right now can I touch by what this is to help them on my journey and on their journey? Because you gave this to me. That's a good question. That's not grumbling. And why now? Lord, you could have given it to me earlier. You could have given it to me later. But why now? Something is happening. And young people, listen to this part. Maybe the Lord is doing something in your life to prevent you from doing what you want to do at a timeline in your life because He knows in the future something in the near future could be so dramatically dangerous for you. He's allowed this to come into your life or prescribed it to keep you from having to go through something else because He loves you. He loves you. So asking questions is not necessarily wrong. It's how you ask them in the spirit of grumbling or the spirit of a learner, pupil, student, etc. The application is don't stop listening before God gives you the answer. In other words, if you're praying for something and you don't get the answer right away, don't give up praying and then try to solve the problem on your own. Keep on asking. Alright, let's go to the next verse. Verse 63. I love this. It says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are Spirit and are life. But there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who would not believe. And who it is that would betray him. Oh my goodness gracious. There are two things to remember in this. About the words of Jesus. They provide life. And they provide the spirit for you. I just love that about the words of Christ. We spoke to that already. In this book right here. It's to open you up to a wonderful life. This here is going to give you the spirit. And the passion. Because in it are all the words. That he wants you to have. I hope you feast upon his words. And how important they truly are. Those words are all rich. I wish you had time, but maybe you would like to go back over the chapter we've been covering and I want you to find where God is referred to in here. I want you to find where Christ is referred to and where the Spirit of God is referred to and the words of Christ are found. You're going to find the Trinity found in this chapter alone how that over and over again it's replete with the Godhead and how the Godhead, watch this, watch this, watch this, this Godhead communicates to us through his words and it's the words of Christ, at least in this passage. How rich that really is. Well, what do you think kept them from really coming to Christ? Now we know that the Lord knows who's going to be saved. And so you see a little bit of the sovereignty of God and the salvation of people. He knows he's bringing them to Christ. But there's still the human responsibility, whosoever. It says you did not believe. The believing is something that we have to do. That is our responsibility. And so I pray that you would trust Christ as your Savior. But what are the three things that might keep someone from coming to Christ? All right, let me give you these three quickly. One of them is is that they never move beyond curiosity to commitment. They're curious, and I like to say it this way, they're ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. They keep on studying. They always say, if I just took another class, if I read another book, I went to another seminar, if I just had a little bit more truth. So they're always curious about God, but they're never willing to say, you know what? I I have enough right here. I'm going to trust Christ I'm going to let him be the Lord of my life as a believer in him, and God's going to put it all together for me. The second is this. They never look past the temporary to see the eternal. They're always looking for the quick fix right now. A lot of times it's not going to happen until the very, very, very end of your life. God is weaving, you've heard this story a thousand times probably, how he's weaving a wonderful tapestry. If you looked at it early on, you don't see the picture yet. And I'll tell you, you could pretty well see the picture when you're much older, when this wonderful tapestry is about finished. But I'm going to tell you, it's probably going to be right at the very end when the Lord stitches his last stitch. And you're being able to see that wonderful picture of your entire life. Watch this, watch this. You are not a snowflake in the blizzard of humanity. Today is not one day in the blizzard of a calendar of your life. Today is important and it's building for the next day. And all of that is because God is doing a wonderful plan for your life. So don't put on the altar the expediency of today as a sacrifice for what God has for you in the future that is so beautiful. And number three, the needs that drew them to Jesus eventually kept them from Jesus. Now you ought to write that down. The needs that brought them to Jesus eventually kept them from Jesus. Not everyone, but eventually did. So sometimes if all we do is try to present felt need needs, more miracles, more meat, and take care of us mentality, then we're going to always live in the temporal rather than in the eternal. These are the things that are going to keep us from Christ because even though Jesus fed them all, he said it's not about the earthly bread, it's all about me. You need to receive me. I am the bread, not the food that you've just eaten. I am the bread. And if I could... Give you anything here, church, my family right here. I want you to partake of Christ. Is he your all in all? Do you love him with all your heart, soul, and mind? Whatever else he does for you, that's grace heaped upon grace. But do you really love him? And watch this. And will you allow him to be God in your life? That's so critical. Well, who did grow a lasting faith? Well, just a couple of verses tells us who grew this wonderful, lasting faith that he had. It would be his disciples that began to really grow up into these things. Look at what he says in verse 65. And he was saying, For this reason I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it be granted to him from the Father, but you must do the believing. As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew, and were not walking with him anymore. While I circled the word disciples and I underlined the word withdrew, I really marked up the phrase, Any more. It wasn't like they followed him, then didn't follow him, then refollowed him again. They didn't follow him anymore. So Jesus said to the twelve, and by the way, could you put your name there? Jesus said to me, Jesus said to you, you don't want to go away also, do you? Have you ever asked yourself, what do you think could happen in your life that you would begin to quit on God? Would it be the loss of your mate, the loss of your job, the loss of your child? the loss of your health, the loss of your retirement or your investments or your finances? What would would it be that would cause you to give up on God? Will you also, like the rest of these, back out? I pray that none of us do that here. What will it take for you to quit the faith, quit the ministry maybe, quit your ministry in the church even? What would it be? He says, you don't want to go also, do you? And I love Simon Peter and how he answered. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? I love that. I think Peter is kind of helping us answer that question. Lord, where are we going to go? What's the alternative? And really, what is the alternative? If you don't have Christ, who else do you have? Who do you pray to? Who's going to be the one that will take care of you? Who will really satisfy you? You don't have anybody. Lord, to whom are we going to go? can't go to anybody else. You're the man. he explains why. Because you have words of eternal life. Then he says, we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So what else is there? It would be your words. It's all about the words of eternal life. We believe in you. I'd like to ask you that question. Will you now take God's word every day and read it? I, I, I know I sound like a preacher, maybe because I am, but... Do, 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 you get, do you get a Bible? Do you have a Bible? Do you have a good Bible? Did you get a good study Bible? One with leather on it? Maybe even get your name on there. Somehow, get your... Christmas is coming. If you don't have a good working Bible, would you get a Bible... A Bible, it's a literal translation. You can have all the other ones. I'm not speaking negatively about them. I'm not marginalizing them. But I'm saying, but get yourself a good study Bible, one that you're going to carry with you, whether you know you're going to open it during a service or not. You carry it to your Bible study, to lifeguards, to WAVE. You bring it to all the classes. You young people, you bring it to every youth session that you have. And our people, we're going to have you start opening up the Bible. Now, the reason we put it up on the screen, the reason we put in all these notes that you get is because we know that there'll be those who are seeking... They don't know why they're seeking, but they're seeking. They come in and they don't have all this stuff. So we love them. We love them. So we're going to provide it for them. But we don't want them to live their whole life by some screen thing or by something that we might have here in their notes. We want them to get a Bible so that they can mark their Bible and read their Bible. I taught the book of Romans in this past church. It took me four years to go through the book of Romans. You would not believe when I came back this last week how many of them said all they do is just drop their Bible and when they do it, it goes to Romans. And they said, as I look at my Bible, it's all marked up in Romans. Maybe I shouldn't say this, but that grieves me a little bit. Because it's the only book they have all marked up. I transitioned to a church in Southern California after I finished the book of Romans. And whoever they had afterwards was a great man, had great honor, morally pure, doctrinally sound, but had a different style and... No more was their Bibles marked up. No more do they have a working Bible. Hardly ever brought their Bible any longer. And I am not dismissing all of that. I know there may be reasons and things happen, but right now, folks, you want the words of Christ. You want to know the words. You want to see how special this is and how rich it can be for all of you. And then finally, who else? You're the Holy One. I like what Peter does. He keeps confessing. Who do you say that I am? Peter's the first one to open his mouth. You're the Holy One, God. And here. Who's the one we're going to go to? We believe in you. We know you. You're the Holy One of God. He's the one that keeps confessing publicly in front of all that are around him. You're the one. You're the one. He's the one that keeps opening his mouth. Now, I know all about the personality styles. He might have the gift of gab, so he's always yakking, okay? He might be the one that was maybe more powerful in personality, so he's the only one talking. But the point of the matter is he's still an illustration of this. I am going to go public with my faith and I'm not just going to live a Christian life. I'm going to have a, not just a no-so salvation, I'm going to have a say-so salvation. And he is talking. And I said all that because I'm bringing this to a close with this. If you want to grow your faith, you want to make a full commitment to Christ, not just to be one of those that's on the outside, wanting to know more, kind of just what you can do for me, Lord. Then secondly, when you want to know Christ, you don't want to just go for the things He's given to you. You want to go deep into Christ. You want to know Him. And the way you know Him is by abiding in the Word and letting the Word abide in you. And when that begins to happen, you're experiencing a beginning, the fullness of God in your life. And when that's happening, watch this, the authenticity of it is, you can't help but to speak for Christ. My sweet wife, been married 43 years, when I was dating her, my date, we really didn't date. We were more courted than date. It was kind of a weird thing going on because she was so, I'm not going to kiss you until I'm going to spend the rest of my life with you. I'm not going to tell you I love you until I'm going to spend the rest of my life with you. And I'm saying, how, how long are you going to hang in here? you know? And so we made our commitment. But here's what I'm saying with all that. Everywhere I went. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing fine. I saw Carol. Really? Okay, how was work today? Oh, it was really good, but I miss Carol. You know where I'm going with this? Because Carol was in my heart. I couldn't help but talk about Carol. When I'm around guys that don't have a date, I can always tell you what's on their mind because that's what they talk about. Not girls, but they'll talk about cars, sports, this, that, and the other because that's what's on the, Nothing wrong with that. But if you're a blood-bought, born-again believer in Christ, I don't know how you cannot talk about Christ. Somehow, you just kind of poke him like the Pillsbury Doughboy. Woo! You just poke him and you want to say something about Christ. Somehow, you want to spin this conversation. Jesus Christ. I sat next to a, a television producer of one of the most popular television shows on HGTV on one of the flights. And at the very end of all of this, got in a conversation about Christ, couldn't wait to do it. I don't know whether she trusted Christ, but she said this. She said, I really like talking to you. And she gave me her card. Now relax, Carol was right there. And she said, do you know anybody that's going to buy a house in Hawaii because we'd like to put them on HGTV? And I'm saying all that to say this. When you cut this lady's wrist, she bleeds HDTV. If we were to cut your wrist, would it believe Jesus Christ, the bread of life? Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed. <clears throat> this isn't my invitation. In fact, I'm not just praying yet. I just want to give you an alone time with the Lord so that you can process. You went through a lot of verses, but at the same time, we covered the whole chapter of 71 verses by an overview. The main thing is growing a lasting faith, and you do that by eating of the bread of life, Jesus Christ. There's five different kinds of people in this chapter. It's not men and women. It's five different kinds of people in their backgrounds. You're in there somewhere. There are five different responses in this chapter to Jesus' preaching on I am the bread of life. Which one are yours? Are you the one he could be speaking to today? And he's saying, I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread of your life for you to have eternal life. Is he speaking to you? And are you going to be a seeker, a grumbler, an arguer, depart from all of this, not come back and hear more? Are you going to be one that's going to confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord who died? He is the bread of life and that you have trusted in him and him alone and you now have eternal life and you are hungry no longer. And now the rest of your life is to feast on Christ. And to feast on Christ, he said, is, is feasting in his word. And you're going to do that. What will you do with today's message? At the very end of the chapter it talked about He picked 12, and by the way, that's the first time he ever said that in the book of John. He identified the 12. He also said, out of the 12 I picked, one is a deceiver. He referred to Judas Iscariot. Could that be you too? So maybe you're at a point in your life and you're ready to cry unto the Lord and respond. You're going to be the one that says, yep, I'm coming to you. What do you say? I don't think there's any written prayer. There's no sinner's prayer. It's a communication between you and the God of the Bible, the authentic and true and only God. It's somehow in your mind and heart, you're communing with him and admitting to him that you're a sinner, and that you're grateful for all that he might do for you. You don't understand some of the stuff that happens, but you know that it's really more about who he is and you want to take him, not what he can do for you physically, but what he will do for you spiritually. Not what he'll do for you in a temporary life of 30, 40, 50, 60 years. But what he will do for you in an eternal life. And you're ready to say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I don't deserve any of this. There's nothing I can do to earn it. I'm not coming to you promising that I'll start this or stop that. I'm coming to you just as I am. I'm a humble person that says, Lord... If no one else comes, I'm coming to you. I'm, trusting, I'm confessing that you are the Lord who died and rose again. I'm confessing that you are the Holy One. I'm confessing that you are my personal Savior by my faith in you alone. And I want you to know there's nothing that pleases the heart of God more than your faith placed in Him. Because without that faith in Him, it is impossible to please Him. Now, I'd like to pray for you, so I'm going to ask you in a moment to slip up your hand if today is the day you're going to partake of the bread of life, Jesus Christ. That you're going to have a growing faith. Not so that you do good works to go to heaven eventually, but you know you're going to heaven and you want to end well and receive all the blessings God has for you even in the next life. So... In a moment, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. Now, raising your hand won't get you into heaven. Me praying for it won't get you into heaven. You will not come forward. You won't have to stand up. You won't say anything. It's just me somehow just lovingly talking to the Lord about you without embarrassing you. You can do this outwardly at your own time, own place. But I'd like to know, is there anyone in here ready? The Lord is now offering himself to you as the bread of life that will satisfy you. You will never be hungry You will never thirst again for your salvation. You have a home waiting for you in heaven because you have an eternal relationship with the only God. And you'd like for me to pray for you. With heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. Is there anyone that's ready now to say, Pastor, I'm trusting Christ as my Savior. I've done it now. I'm taking of that bread. Would you remember me in prayer? Don't say it out loud. Just slip up your hand, put it down. I'll know you mean it. And I'll just talk to the Lord about you. Is there anyone today that's ready to do that? Put your hand up, put it down right now. Real quick, real quick. Okay, Christians, how many of you know that for a while there you've kind of you've nibbled at the bread, you've eaten some of the bread, you've feasted at times, but you know that you've kind of stepped back a little bit, and you know that Jesus Christ needs to be at the center of your relationship again. You need to come back to Him. It's not come back to the ministry, come back to more works, come back to more deeds. It's you're coming back to Christ so that you have an intimate relationship with Him, so that from that relationship now you're more steady as you move out to do more things for him. And you'd like to have prayer because God spoke to you today that you do not want to be one who's going to grumble or depart. You want to be one who's going to confess with your lips and your life that he is your Lord because he's already been your Savior. Is there anyone here that would like to have prayer? Would you slip up your hand? Is there anyone at all? Amen. Amen. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I do thank you for today. I thank you that you are the bread of life. I'm grateful that you give us do-overs all the time because that's what confession and forgiveness is all about. I'm grateful, Father, for those who are willing to take what they've heard today from your word and develop a relationship with you no matter what this life throws at them and what you permit to come into their life. For, Father, as they eat of you, they will see that you are altogether lovely. Father, I just pray that our church would be a church that would be constantly presenting the bread of life to everyone on this island that comes our way. And that every one of our events will continue to be events where people can then know that the center of our event is the bread of life and the clear, cool, freshness of the water of life. So that when we drink and we eat, we will never hunger and thirst again. In Jesus' name, amen.